Uh, with the state of inflation um, as it is, the, the reason the Fed is doing the things they're doing with raising our interest rates is because they have to strengthen our dollar. And uh, raising interest rates is strengthening our dollar because it's saying when you have these huge investors, I'm talking about the 1% of wealth owners in the world, mm-hmm. they're looking for the best return that they can get on you know, on anything. So when they raise the strength of the dollar by raising the interest rates and you got Japan, you got China, you got all these other countries that are negative interest rates, that means you basically, it costs you money to invest with those countries. What are they going to pick? Are they going to pick a country where they can get a decent interest rate or are they going to pick one where they're going to have to pay basically to keep their money there? So what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to move all the international investors, all the banks and everything to strengthen the dollar to where we're, we're not having this crazy inflation that's going on. And so the, the home prices is not so much that the homes are worth more, the homes and prices, anytime you evaluate anything in the United States, we're valuing it versus the US dollar. And so the homes aren't necessarily worth more than they were two, three, four years ago. The dollar's worth less. Perfect. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family-oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So today, we're going to talk to uh, someone who's a mortgage broker. He has a YouTube channel himself called Planet Cheapskate. Make sure you check that out. And uh, what he does differently from other mortgage brokers is he provides you with a weekly update of what the mortgage rates are. And it's important for you to understand that, especially if you're beginning as a real estate investor, uh, so that you know, uh, when you're, especially when you're purchasing rental properties, uh, when to jump in, when not to invest, things like that. We're going to talk about all of this stuff on today's episode. Welcome Ryan Lee to the podcast. What's up, man? Hey, Hey, thank you, Jamel. I just, uh, I, I appreciate you having me on your podcast and uh, sharing some valuable insight with your uh, subscribers, your viewers. I'm excited to be on here. Uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, start out. I don't know. Do you want me to talk a little bit about like myself? My yeah, background? man. Why, why don't we do that? So first off, you're in Kansas City. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay. So I'm actually in Wichita, Kansas, but I grew up in Kansas City. Um, And so I've kind of floated between Wichita, uh, Kansas, Kansas City, and uh, and Texas. So I kind of go between them. I I finished my school in Texas. I graduated. I got my degree in business administration with an emphasis in marketing. Um, My grandfather got sick and my mom needed a little bit of help, you know, taking care of him. So it, it brought me back up to Wichita. And I ended up getting a job as a marketing director at a company. And so the same time I started, there was a 21-year-old kid who started. And I started as a marketing director and he started as a loan officer. And by the end of that year, he made six figures and I was still making you know, my five-figure salary. And I was like, man, I'm not doing something right here. So I got to get this figured out. And so I, just, I, I, I started doing a dual role. I was a marketing director and I got licensed as a loan officer. Um, and really the thing that to draw me to it was the, the money. But then when I started going to these closings and seeing how this was changing 
family's lives. I see the kids happy. They're getting ready to go pick out their rooms, you know, getting their, you know, their playground set up. And I was just like, man, this is awesome. I love it. That's the most valuable thing. And so started doing that, loving it. And then, um, the way I kind of got started with YouTube is I was making these videos to help people through the, the loan process. And, um, so I'm kind of like on the brink, I'm not really too tech savvy. And so I didn't really understand whole the, the YouTube thing. I thought maybe it was more like a photo bucket or something <laughs> that we used to have back in the day where we just store yeah. videos and, and, and share them with people. I didn't even know that it goes out there and people can search it and look for it. So then one day I'm just kind of like, you know, managing my business, checking out my YouTube videos. And I see one has 10,000 views. I'm like, what in the world? I don't have 10,000 clients. So <laughs> what's going on? And, and then that's when it all clicked. And I started talking to a buddy. He's like, yeah, people can search those. And so I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, that's so cool. I can make an impact in so many people, you know, just making these educational videos. So yeah, man. I could definitely um, relate to that myself as well, man. I, you know, I, I started my YouTube channel back in 2008. I probably put up maybe 60 to 70 videos over 10 years. And, you know, those videos got, gained some traction, uh, but it wasn't until 2019 until I took it seriously. Um, and my channel just started uh, growing like crazy year over year uh, yeah. for the last couple of years. So uh, that's because I started putting out more content and it was uh, search friendly content. So, yeah, man, uh, yeah. I, I definitely I, I can definitely relate to that. And that's what I actually, um, your channel actually inspired mine. Cause I was like searching around, um, cause I want to give back to my community. Um, I do these giveaways, like each hundred subscribers, I do a hundred dollar giveaway. Nice, um, but I really, my goal is to do something like you, like bring people on and like, just change their lives. Like some of your, your, um, you know, starting at zero and, you know, getting into that, that first investment property. That's just, you're changing your community. I just I fell in love with your channel by by that because you, I, I see you giving back to your community. It's not just about Jamel. It's about I'm going to help my community, and I love that. I appreciate that, man. So you're in the the mortgage industry right now. Uh, what's different about your channel? Um. So when I was looking around, I I have several channels that are you know mortgage and real estate based that I just love, and I would watch them. And so I don't even watch TV. Um, when I'm just chilling out at home, I watch YouTube. That's what I do. I'm just tr constantly trying to figure out ways to where I can, you know, um, figure something out. I, I like puzzles. Like I have a bunch of puzzles like behind me. That's like my thing, like not actual jigsaw puzzles, but just like puzzles like this. And I, that's just what I love to do. And so if I have a question in life, I'm going on YouTube and I'm yep. searching it and I'm, I'm checking it out to figure it out. And, um, so I, I was looking around and I was like, you know what, why isn't there someone just kind of giving people what the mortgage rates are just so people know it's, we don't need to make this a mystery. It's like, you know, um, and then one of the unique things that I have is since I'm a broker, I work with over 50 different lenders, banks all over the United States and I make them compete for, for my clients. I make them complete compete to get the best interest rate, the least amount of fees that they can. And so I see nobody was doing that. And so, you know, as a, in the mortgage industry, as long as we're disclosing the year that it's fixed or adjustable and the APR, we can give, we can put our rates out there. You know, big banks like Rocket, Quicken, you know, all these banks, they're advertising rates, but they just have to make sure they put the term, the uh, um, what type of product is it fixed or adjustable or you know, the, uh, um, and then the APR. And if you have those three things then you're good to go. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to put that in my channel 
and, you know, and, and people have, I've gotten a lot of good feedback. People love it. The realtors love it. Um, investors love it because they can, you know, just kind of see where everything's yeah. at. It's and almost like a gauge. You have it, you know, when you're driving, you want to know what your speed is. Exactly. The rate update is kind of like a, it's a gauge of what the market looks like. And what's the benefit of knowing the, the, the rate for, for those, for those of you listening right now, this is definitely, um, you want to pay attention to this part right here uh, for sure. What's the benefit of knowing the rate each and every single week? So the benefit is there's a couple of different things. One, the rates are changing just like the stock market. Yep. The mortgage interest rates go up and down just like the stock market do every day. Um, and so you really, it, it'd be ideal if you could keep an, an eye on them daily, but it's just, sometimes it's just not feasible. You can get a general idea of what they are by going to a few websites, um, but you're not going to get that in-depth uh, look at what they are unless you're contacting a loan officer every single day. Like, hey, what, what are the rates? What are the rates? What are the rates? Um, so the benefit of that though is because when you walk into a bank, when you walk into a credit union, you're not necessarily going to get your best interest rate. They are going to give you what they think they can get away with. Banks and credit unions, they set their own margins. And when I say that, I mean, if, if we're talking about par rate, and we say the par rate is at 4%. Now, that bank let, let's would, stop there for a second. Okay. Before we jump okay. into that, what's par rate just for people sure. listening right now? So when I say par rate, I mean, if you are the perfect borrower, if you have a 780 to 800 credit score, you are borrowing maybe a $250,000 property or above, because um, that is a factor too, actually. A lot of people don't realize that, but when you're just getting started, you kind of take a hit um, you know, when you do a lower property. But if you you got a $250,000 property or above, you have a 780 or 800 credit score, um, you're a W-2 employee, um, you have good income, you've had a job for two years, all the best, perfect scenario for a lender. Like you're a secure borrower. Um, that is the rate that you get. That's what par rate is. It's like the best case the best, circumstances. Best of the best. So, so we're mm -hmm. so we're talking about par rate right now. Uh, that's when you when you're in a perfect situation. And honestly, most people are not in a perfect situation. So, yeah. Um, you, you still want to understand what par rate is, but the idea is to yeah. understand what mortgage rates are, so you can get your foot in the door uh, if you choose to go uh, that route. Right. So yeah. just jumping back into what you were talking about um, with the sure, par rate sure. thing. What were you going to say about that? And so par rate is kind of where we start. And then what you were just talking about, how not everybody's going to be perfect like that. Then we have things called they're called loan level price adjustments, LLPAs. And the loan level price adjustments are basically on your personal circumstances. We take a look at it and say, OK, well, there's a there's a loan level price adjustment because their score is not. 780, it's, you know, 620. So you're going to have a loan level price adjustment. It's going to bring, it's going to bring the cost of your rate down and it may bring it from where you can get a four to where you might have to take like a, a 4.5. Um, but what I was also saying about that though, is like, so a banker credit union is going to take that par rate and they're going to take those loan level price adjustments on there and they're going to tack those on. And on top of that, they're going to set a little bit of a, um, an incentive there, the word they're going to, they're going to make money off of the loan. Okay. That's their compensation basically. Right. And so you just need to be aware of that, that that's on there as a retail borrower. So banks and credit unions are retail lenders. If you go to a wholesale broker, 
you're not going to have, you're going to have the loan level price adjustments, but you're not going to have any kind of a margin for the institution, for the loan officer, anything like that. And so really my channel can kind of keep a bank or a credit union honest when they're dealing with you. And it's just like when you're going out to buy a used car, there's a little bit of a, there's a margin there that's adjustable. So if you call them out and say, Hey, I can go to a broker, shop around, make you guys compete. They're going to give me this. And then right. they'll bring that down a little bit because they want to save you, not just as a, as a mortgage borrower, but also as someone who gets a checking account, a savings account, a credit card and all that stuff. So they'll bring that down. They'll squash it if you call them out on it. But if you don't call them out on it, you walk in blind, they're going to give you whatever they think they can get away with. So, so what would be the benefit as a real estate investor looking to either get into their first rental property or someone who, let's say you're self-employed, you're looking to purchase a property to eventually use that property to pull out equity and stuff like that to get a rental property. What's the benefit of an investor working directly with a broker over the bank itself? So really with a, with a broker, you're going to have more options. Uh, So most banks are going to give you what's called a conforming loan. And when I say conforming, I just means that it sets, it's, it's set to a certain standard where uh, these quasi-government entities called Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to purchase that loan. When you work with a broker, they can do that and that's fine, but they also have these things called non-conforming loans they can do for you where they don't have to be set to that rigid structure that the, the conforming loans do. They can, mm. you know, there's a little bit more leniency. Maybe they can go lower on the credit score. Maybe you can do what's called a blanket loan where you can purchase several properties at once and put them all under one financing. Um, most banks are going to make you finance one property at a time, one property at a time. You know, there are some that maybe do some other things, but um, you just have so many more options working with a broker because you're not just stuck with one bank or credit union. They have, most of them have 50 um, different options that's available for you. Yeah. And I like the fact that you mentioned that working with a broker, even on your channel, when you, when you're, um, when you're providing rate information, you're keeping the banks honest, right? So really, if you have a broker working with you, you can literally have banks fighting to provide you with the best option for your situation. And that's kind of what you want to do, right? So like yeah. Ryan was saying, you could go directly to the bank. They're going to, because you went directly to the bank, there's no other option, right? So yeah. um, let's say Rocket and, you know, Rocket, you know, I'm just throwing out some names, Rocket Mortgage yeah. and things like that, you know, maybe another mortgage company. Uh, if you go directly to the bank itself, they're going to try to get away with murder. So yeah, they got you on the right? hook. They, they're going to get away with, you know, it's just business. They're, they're for yeah, yeah, of organizations. Course. Because there's um, no other competition, right? Yeah. But if you work yeah. with a broker, a broker can provide you because they have so many other people working to provide you with, um, working to get your business and be able to provide you with uh, better options. So uh, that's one yeah. benefit, especially as an investor, you always want to try to get the lowest rate um, if you're going the, the financing route through a bank uh, so mm-hmm. that you can cash flow on properties, right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, definitely. mortgage rates are going up right now, right? Yeah, I was they talking are, to one of my mortgage brokers on, you know, one of my refi cash out mortgage brokers on the properties, a couple of properties that I'm uh, looking to pull some equity lines on. And yeah. he said the rates went up 20 basis points this morning. Yeah. So rates are going up. And mm-hmm. this is why Ryan's channel is so important. So you can know, you know, what's happening 
So you can know yeah. when to act, when not to act, right? I'll let, yeah, yeah. What's basis points, by the way, for, for people who don't understand? So a basis point is basically that's the amount that you pay for whatever rate that you choose. That it doesn't go to your loan officer. It doesn't go to, you know, if you do use a realtor, uh, it doesn't go, you know, if you use a broker, it doesn't go to the brokerage. Uh, that goes to the lender, basically, to lock in whatever rate you know, you choose. Um, and that's directly related to the cost. It's a percentage of the loan that you take, um, you know, based on, you know, the, the market, the expense. Got you. So how much of a percentage would that be? Let's say somebody borrowed $250,000 on a mortgage. And, um, when we're talking basis points, what, 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 Mm -hmm. what does that mean? So ideally I try to place people maybe, um, no more than, than, a point. So a point is basically 1% of the loan. Got you. Um, whenever you're doing an, a, a, a financial transaction for a property, uh, for a mortgage, you want to try to keep it under one point at least. And so every single transaction, I try to keep it underneath a point. Now there's certain circumstances that come in where you have to, um, the basis point is based on a lock term. So we can do like a 15 day lock, a 30 day lock, a 45 day. And gotcha. I can even like Here's one valuable information too. If you are working with an institution right now, you need to be looking into 180-day locks. Those are 60, those are six-month locks. Those would protect the pricing because they're going to continue to go up. The Fed has said they're going to raise interest rates five to six times this year. Um, and so how the you know how I said the, the mortgage market's a lot like the stock market. So I believe those those, uh, those have already been baked into the market, mm-hmm. so to say. Um, and that's why we're seeing just the rapid increase in the rates. Right. I could be wrong. Nobody knows the market. I can't predict the market. There's nobody. Warren Buffett can't predict the stock market. I can't predict the mortgage market. Nobody can. We can just set ourselves up and prepare ourselves for the worst whenever we're going into any transaction. Um, but you want to try to stay underneath a point um, a 1% on the basis point. That's, that's the goal. Um, the lower, the better. So, so if somebody's at, um, $250,000, if their basis points are under, under that 2,500, you said 1%. So basically 2,500, they're doing okay. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. That would be, that would be goal with the, with the lower, the better. Now, all that's going to be determined on what we talked about, those loan level price adjustments. Like gotcha. that, that's where that's directly related to your basis point cost is those loan level price adjustments. And each one you take a hit on par. Gotcha. Okay. So, so par rate is, is zero. So zero, that's zero basis points is par rate. Gotcha. And then you just take hits from that. Okay. So quick question, man. Um, and, and you may not know the answer to this, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. Obviously, okay. mortgage rates are going up. How do you feel like that's going to affect the real estate market with, as far as pricing and home sales, um, the, the speed of home sales? Mm-hmm. So uh, just, you know, this would be my prediction because, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing that I know without All a right. fact because it's, it's the future, dealing with the future. But uh, with the state of inflation um, as it is, the, the reason the Fed is doing the things they're doing with raising our interest rates is because they have to strengthen our dollar. And 
uh, raising interest rates is strengthening our dollar because it's saying when you have these huge investors, I'm talking about the 1% of wealth owners in the world, mm-hmm. they're looking for the best return that they can get on, you know, on anything. So when they raise the strength of the dollar by raising the interest rates and you got Japan, you got China, you got all these other countries that are negative interest rates, that means you basically, it costs you money to invest with those countries. What are they going to pick? Are they going to pick a country where they can get a decent interest rate or are they going to pick one where they're going to have to pay basically to keep their money there? So what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to move all the international investors, all the banks and everything to strengthen the dollar to where we're, we're not having this crazy inflation that's going on. And so the, the home prices is not so much that the homes are worth more, the homes and prices, anytime you evaluate anything in the United States, we're valuing it versus the US dollar. And so the homes aren't necessarily worth more than they were two, three, four years ago. The dollar's worth less. right? And so that makes the price of the homes more because the dollar doesn't buy as much. And so they're trying to stave that off. And so I think, I mean, we have some really, really intelligent people that work, you know, for our, you know, our, our Fed setting our monetary policy. I mean, uh, making more than, you know, any of us can imagine. And so I think we're in, in a good, we're in good hands there. Uh, uh, I just would like to see more on the legislative side of more policies that are kind of staving off the inflation. Mm-hmm. I think that you're going to see rates continue to rise because they are somewhat correlated with the, the interest rate that the Fed set, sets. Um, and that's, a, that's one thing that a lot of people get confused is they think that interest rates, when I talk about the Fed, the Fed, which is, you know, the Federal Reserve, they think that interest rates are the same as mortgage rates. They're not the same thing. Different, completely they, different. They are, they are correlated, but they're not the same. So the the uh, what the uh, the interest rate that they're talking about when you see the news is that's the rate at which banks can borrow money from each other, and it's it's seen as a very secure transaction to where it's it's very low. Um, when you raise that, it makes it to where it's a better investment for an investor to do, like mm-hmm. these 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 worldwide international huge banks and investors to to put their money in the dollar. And what you're doing on that is you're trying to strengthen the dollar versus the inflation. So what's the difference? Let's talk about that difference. What is the difference between uh, the mortgage rates and the interest rates? So the mortgage rates is going to be based on the, uh, let me, let me kind of clear my thought here. (laughs) Okay. So on the mortgage rates, it's more of a risky investment than the interest rates. So mortgage rates are based on, a determination of how risky it is. So when when I talked about how the mortgage rates are set at par, and then you have those loan level price adjustments, based on how where your loan is determined, and there, usually there's like A paper, B paper, C paper, D paper, based on where your loan sits, your loan is eventually in two, three years, it's packaged up into a bundle and it's sold on the market. Okay. And so uh Based on if it's A, A is the least amount of risk. B is a little bit more risk. C is getting really risky. And then there's even D paper, which is is super risky for people to take. And that's kind of what what it is there. So the difference is, is that mortgage rates are basically 
you're given a mortgage rate depending on where you sit on there, like as far as your, your credit risk. And then it's packaged up and it's sold on the secondary market. Um, so anytime it's something sold on the secondary market and there's more risk than that, that interest rate that the Fed's talking about, it's going to be a higher, it's going to be a higher rate. So like you said, the interest rate would be what the banks or investors can pay. Uh, and the mortgage rate is, comp- is exactly what you just explained to us pretty much. So those are the differences yeah. between a mortgage rate and an interest rate so that you guys can understand that as well. Now, as a real estate investor who's looking to get started, um, some you know on, on this channel, I teach all kinds of real estate investing. I teach how to buy real estate with no money. Then I also mm-hmm. teach you know uh, real estate investing if you have a little bit of money, if you have some assets and things like that. Um, yeah. Especially rental property investing. That can be a little tricky. We could get into creative real estate investing or we can go the traditional route get an FHA mortgage. You, you mentioned that we can get up to what, five to 10 houses through, through uh, a regular lender. Um, mm-hmm. And then we can uh, then transition into some more investor-friendly loans. Um, mm-hmm. So understanding all of that, what do you recommend a brand new real estate? What do you recommend for a brand new real estate investor just getting started? How do you recommend, uh, let, let's say that they're going a the traditional route through a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we provide our listeners with a step-by-step process to getting their first rental property mm-hmm. um, through a mortgage broker? So if I was to, to uh, you know, t- to give someone just starting out, I, I think it, a lot of it would be, be determined like where, where's your starting point. Mm-hmm. If I have someone who's starting with, with nothing, like just, just starting out, I would say probably the best route you can take is to, get either what's called a home ready home possible loan or an FHA loan. So with these, go ahead. What's the home ready home possible loan? The home ready home possible is a loan. That's a conventional loan. Uh, It's a little bit better than the FHA loan because it's only 3% down versus 3.5% down. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does have, it has income limitations. You can't make a certain amount and it, uh, you have to be a first time home buyer. So you can only use it once in your life. I mean, you, once you, once you hit it, you can't use it again. So you got to make it, you got to make it special. Um, but the, the benefit of both of those products, you can go out and you can find a duplex, you can find a triplex, you can find a quadruplex. You can just live in one of those units and you could rent out the yep. other ones and you can finance with an FHA and a home ready home possible loan. And, and, and that's to- that to me. You have to stay in it for a certain amount of time. I believe it's 12 yeah. months, right? Yeah. It's uh well, so conventional, I believe it's so conventional, it's different. Some lenders make you stay there a year. Some will do six months. You just have to check. That's another benefit of working with a broker is you can if that's your goal, say, hey, how long do they require me to live there? And so on the conventional, the home ready home possible, some of them only make you live there for six months. FHA is going to be a year. So FH, the FHA loan is different. It's slightly different in the fact that mm-hmm. you have to put down, I believe it's a 5%. Uh, 3. 3.5. 3.5%. And then mm-hmm. the conventional, you said it was how much now? Uh, 3%. 3%. So you save 0.5%. The loans are relatively the same though. Um, so um, 
you're going to save on closing costs with the conventional. The conventional product is going to FHA be FHA is going to definitely charge you a fee. <laughs> yeah, they're going to give you're going to have an upfront funding fee and on the conventional home ready home possible you do not have the upfront funding fee. You just pay a little bit of mortgage insurance each Got month. You. And then the FHA is charged up front and then on top of that you have the mortgage pay the mortgage, mortgage insurance mortgage. each month. Right. Um So so with the FHA they charge you a fee. I think it's like 5,000 bucks or something like that. Um, it, it can vary it based can vary. on the size of the loan. It's, it's 1.75% of your loan of the loan. The right. So 1.75% of the loan, plus you pay the principal mortgage insurance, um, the, the principal mortgage insurance on top of that with yeah. a conventional, you'll save on the fee up front, but then you'll still pay the, the mortgage insurance. I believe you'll have the mortgage insurance until 20 or 30% of the house is paid off. But yeah. some lenders are actually keeping it on there longer than the twenty percent. So it's I think it's ten to twelve years or something like that. Yeah, you you got to call them. You know, when you're at eighty percent loan to value, the lender will not automatically take it off. You got to call them at eighty when when you've when you've built twenty percent in equity of the value of your house. Always keep your appraisal whenever you get your house appraised. Look at that value. And then look at your mortgage statement each month. When you have an, your equity side is 20%, you got to call them up and you got to say, hey, take off my mortgage insurance. If you don't do that, they're not going to automatically take it off until you're at 78%. And that's on a conventional. On FHA, it never goes away. Right. FHA you have to never always goes refinance away. it. Yeah. 30, 30 years, you have to refinance it out. Now, now on a conventional, it goes if, away. If you do FHA and you put 10% down, which nobody ever does because it's a first time home buyer, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, incentive loans. But if you were to do an FHA and you were to do 10%, it would go away after 11 years. So, Got you. but there would always be a better product. So nobody ever does that. Right. You know, right. Now, quick question for you, man. Is it smart to pull money out of your personal residence to refund, uh, basically refi cash out your personal residence to buy an investment property? I think it can be a great option. Um, if I, we don't personally, you know, um, my brokerage, we don't do um, like HELOCs would be a great option. HELOC is almost like a, it's like a credit card that you have mm -hmm. that is your home equity. Um, we do refinances where you can cash out refinance and pull money out. Um, the, the benefit of those versus a HELOC is you're going to pay a lower interest rate on that. But the downfall of that is that you got to pay, you got to pay, you only need to do that if you're going to use all the money. Don't do it and just put the money in a, you know, in a, in a savings, savings account, account or doesn't make sense. Right. If you're going to do that, then you need to go the HELOC route and, and yeah. just do that and just pay it a little bit higher because you're only charged the interest on what the money you use when you do the HELOC. That's right. That's right, man. So just getting started, just to clear things up for you guys, if, if you're, you know, brand new, you have a decent credit score, how much, how much credit do you need to get a mortgage these days, Ryan? So if you shop around, there's a lot of misconceptions and this is so bad. There's loan officers out there that just, they just destroy people's dreams. And I hate it mm -hmm. because there's some lenders that I don't work with that probably do things that I've never heard of. So I always say, man, shop around, keep your dreams alive. If you're dedicated to get a home, if you're dedicated to be a real estate investor, don't let anybody tell you no. You don't stop. You just go, you go from bank to bank to bank until they, someone says yes, because someone's going to tell you yes. Yeah. They're going to give you a shot. So with the banks that I work with, I can go on a, on a normal borrow who's not like, you know, not been in the service. I can go down to 580 on the credit score. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, that would be without any kind of bankruptcies, foreclosures, repossessions. Um, you would need to have some source of income um, for two years, unless you're a recently graduated college student, and then we can get around that. So you'll get a, you'll, if you have a 580 credit score right now, and I did a video on this, how to become a multimillionaire through real estate investing, um, through what's something called house hacking. I'll link it yeah. up at the, um, I'll link it up in a, in a, in a, in the top in the cards for you guys so you can watch that video. But really the idea is to utilize everything you can. So Ryan just mentioned a, a little while ago, he said um, you can purchase a one to four unit rather than purchasing a one, a single family property, purchase a four unit, live in one of the units, have uh, you know uh, tenants paying for the other three units. You can probably live rent free for six mm-hmm. months to 12 months. When you move out, do it again. Yeah. Right. Do it again. Yep. You, you can do that 10 times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which will, rather than having uh, a 10 single family houses, you can literally get 40 units within a, a, a certain amount of time. Obviously it's going to take you to do it yeah. given your circumstances, but 40 apartment rentals rather than 10 because you maximize the amount of uh, mortgages, the mortgage space that you can take on as a real estate investor. So if you're investing, think longevity and think cash mm-hmm. flow, right? If you're going to use a mortgage broker uh, to do this, which I think is you know, outside of creative real estate investing, going the traditional route is a great way to take advantage because you have money out there that you can use. Yeah. If you have a 580 credit score, you can get this done. Start now. Most people think they need perfect credit to buy a house and you don't, right? So 10 uh, uh, mortgages, but 40 doors. Now imagine having 40 doors paying you, even if you were making $100 a month, most people are making what? 3,000 to 4,000, $3,000 to $5,000 a month at their job, right? Imagine having 40 doors and you're making $100 cash flow per door. That's $4,000 a month. That will change your life. That's the $48,000 a year most people are looking yeah. for. Uh, and then you you pull the equity from those houses to get yourself in the six-figure range, right? You're literally making money in your sleep. Make money yeah. in your sleep. This <laughs> is how it's done, guys. It's not hard. You just have to have the specialized knowledge to be able to do it. And that's what we provide for you on this channel and on Ryan's channel. You know, uh, Definitely check out uh, uh, Planet Cheapskate on mm-hmm. YouTube for sure, uh, especially to get those weekly, uh, those weekly updates as far as what's going on in the mortgage market so that you as a real estate investor can understand how to play the game, right? So yeah. uh, step number one, brand new. Ryan, what, what's step number one again? Looking to get an FHA or a Home Ready Home Possible conventional loan, mm-hmm. and you're going to uh, Try to find a duplex, a uh, triplex, or a quadruplex, and you're going to live in one, and you're going to rent the other units out. That's right. That man. would be if I was if I was starting today with zero money, I would save up enough to where I could do that. It's going to take a little. You're going to have to put a little bit of skin in the game, but right. that is what I would. Do. That's the path that I would take. I'm Absolutely. building duplexes now as we speak. I'm building duplexes um, to uh, to maximize that. 
I can't do, I'm not fortunate enough to do like the, some of the first time homebuyer incentives. Now, one thing I did want to just clarify about what we were talking about earlier is that that, that home ready home possible, you can only use once. So uh, from that point on, you'd have to do the FHA that yeah, FHA was talking you can about. use, what is it? 10 you can times use over and over again. Um, after you've lived there a year, you can use it over and over again. You just have to, re- you just, yeah. Now let, let, let's provide some clarity on the first time home buyer situation, because really, is it really a first time home buyers program? Is there really that type of program available? Because I have my, I have my, uh, it, I have my ideas about it myself. You know, it's not really a first time home buyer program. It gets right. kind of pigeonholed into that um, just because that's what people use it for a lot. Um, it's not that you have to always use it as that. And it's not to say that there's not a better product out there for first time home buyers, you know, the home ready home possible. Maybe if someone doesn't mind, you know, living out in the, the rural areas, a USDA might be a great, you know, right. uh, thing for a first time home buyer. But it just kind of gets pigeonholed into that, you know, just because that's what a lot of people use. It yeah. has more lenient, uh, you know, credit requirements. Uh, you can, you know, borrow a little bit more with it. So a lot of, a lot of people just getting started. will will get yeah. the FHA. And the reason why I have my speculations about it is because I really don't believe, I, you know, when you can get a first time home buyers program every three years, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. a first time home buyers program. At that no. point, you know, you could get it every three, every three years, pretty much. So, yeah, you know, these are, we, we're just trying to drop some information on you guys, not provide you with too much. So it's going to go over your head where we want to simplify it in a way to help you to understand that it's not hard. It really yeah. isn't. If you just save up enough money, if you work in a job, which you should be working a job, especially if you look, a lot of people want to get started in real estate. I started with out a job without money, but I still had a side hustle. Right. Yeah. I, I cut yeah. hair. I worked in a barbershop until I was able to get myself on my feet to go full time in real estate. Right. Um, yeah. A lot of people, you, you need a side hustle. I, I, I talk to people a lot. They just want to quit their day job to go full time in real estate because some wholesaler uh, on YouTube told them that they don't need to have a job to, to, to do this. Mm-hmm. That's the quickest way to go broke. I'm going to tell you that yeah. right now. Uh, because if you don't have additional income, even wholesaling, wholesaling is hard. A lot of people don't realize that wholesaling is hard, uh, because you got to put in a lot of work that people are not willing to put in, right? You got to become a professional marketer. Mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't have a knack for marketing, right? So, and you got to spend some money on marketing or spend a lot of time doing it, right? So the, the idea here, what we're talking about is you have to have some source of income, maybe even a couple of side hustles, get yourself on your feet, right? And then mm-hmm. you can get the mortgages that you need, get the loans. You can even go to creative real estate investing route, right? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, going, getting a mortgage is easier than, than uh, going to creative real estate investing route because most people are not going to want to hold a mortgage. Seller financing. You know, I just picked up 21 houses through seller financing yesterday, but that doesn't happen every single day. Right. It's mm-hmm. easier for me if I have access to uh, money to go out there and actually buy a home. And that's the, yeah. the dead honest truth. I don't care what anybody tells you. I've been doing this for 20 years and I've done over 2000 deals. It's easier to do real estate when you have access to money. You don't need yeah. money 
because you can do wholesaling and creative real estate investing. But if you have access to the money, if you're able to get a mortgage, if you're able to uh, build equity in a property over time and pull uh, equity uh, credit lines to be able to buy more, more real estate, that's how you can build real wealth in real estate. Mm-hmm. And that's just being dead honest, right? Yeah. So, you know, what I'm trying to tell you guys right now is, you know, you need to understand what we're talking about on this podcast, utilize, maximize the amount of doors that you can get, right? And we just told you exactly how to do it. Go to FHA or the conventional route up front and maximize the doors. Get a four unit, a two to four unit uh, apartment, you know, building, and then do that 10 times over and you have 40 doors. And another secret, and, and you could probably talk about this a little bit, Ryan, if you're married, don't add your spouse to the mortgage. Let them go yeah. get an additional, you know, 10 loans. So then yeah. you double up, right? So you, rather than 40 doors, if you're married, you could get 80 doors. Yeah, that's a that's a, a super good hack there, Jamel. Um, it's definitely a good idea. Uh, the only exception for that would be if if it was a veteran. If if you happen to be a veteran and you want to do the VA, you have to put the spouse on there. Yeah. Um but if you're not a veteran and you're out there and you, you know, you want to do that. Yeah. Don't put, don't put your spouse on there. Be separate, you know, create one empire together, but you know, diversify it because That's you can, right. you know, FHA is a great product. And if you're, if you're both going on it, you're, you're killing that great product and you're limiting where you could do it both at the same time. And then you can maximize that's two deals instead of one. That's right. Uh, you know, oftentimes something you said, you know, Jamel really struck a chord with me. You know, when I was just the the marketing director here, I was I was telling myself, you know, my our self talk, our self talk that we tell ourselves, it can it can just ruin our lives. Yep. Uh, we create these mental barriers to prevent us from doing things, and you know, you gotta you gotta uh, change that self talk because I told I was I was coming up with all these different reasons why I shouldn't go get my my loan officer's license. And, uh, you know, that loan officer test, I mean, I've been through college. That was the hardest test I ever taken in my life. I don't know how, how I passed it. Cause the, the study guy that they had me studying, none of those questions ended up being on the test. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, the case, right? Yeah. And I mean, I took business calculus in college and, and I mean, there was some problems, there was some math problems on that test that I had no answer for, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I, I literally, I was sitting there, I was. I, I said a prayer in the, and it's a time test, but I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> say a prayer because I may not get through this. And if you, if you fail, you got three times. And if you fail at three times and you're out, but I created mental barriers for myself not to do that. And it, it took me about a year later before I actually went ahead and did it. Um, and I mean, my life's changed dramatically and it's one of the greatest decisions I made. Uh, but just, I would say don't take no for an answer when you're dealing with a financial institution and don't let your negative self-talk keep you from doing things. There's, there's tools out there you can utilize. Jamel's, you know, his channel is amazing. I went through and watched it. Oh man. I I learned so much from it. I mean, he's an inspiration to me, just how he gives back to the community. You're welcome to come and check out my channel and, and just use those rate updates as a gauge, you know, whether you're doing a seller carry, whether you're going to work with an institution, whether you're going to be a wholesaler and you got to find the seller and the buyer and put them together. 
having that gauge, that knowledge is going to help you, you know, see, uh, you know, how to put that deal together best, uh, yep. get the best interest rate. But um, even if you're doing seller yeah. finance and it's good to understand what that par rate is, it's understand, it's good to understand what's going on in the mortgage market. So you know how to set your deal up. Right. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you guys really don't want to pigeonhole yourself into one way of doing real estate investing. I do everything right. You can become great if you do one thing. But to me, I like to diversify and spread my wings out a little bit more. So it's good to have this knowledge and it's good to more important, more important than um, than having the knowledge. It's good to go out there and take action on the knowledge. That's the only way to get from where you are to where you want to go, guys. So, you know, um, check out Planet Cheapskate uh, on YouTube uh, dot com. And I believe that what's the URL to that channel? Uh, it's just uh, YouTube dot com slash planet slash C slash planet cheapskate. Um, so, yeah, I always forget about the C in there. I, I just do YouTube.com yeah. slash Jamel Gibbs, man, because it, it, it goes to the same I think place, it goes huh? there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously, most smart people read books. Uh, any books that you recommend our listeners dig into? So I would say <clears throat> one of the most valuable books that I read um, was uh, uh, it's a thick book, but I read the whole thing because it has a, it's actually a library, which is a series of books, but it's called the Prosperity Bible. Um, there's several good books in there. There's like Think and Grow Rich is in there. Um, Napoleon Hill, uh, because we I, got, yeah. I got John C. Maxwell's books over there. Yeah. Um, relationships, attitude, teamwork, mentoring, uh, it, it, ethics, all it, it comes in like a big package. So I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Um, cause I, I think we put a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there about how that's going to demonstrate the process to get from point A to point B. You know, you, you want to get to where you're a real estate investor, you're owning real estate, you got doors, you got, you got, you're making money in your sleep. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can find out there, but until you get your mind right, it's not going to happen. You got to get your mind right. You got to focus on getting your mind right. You got to get, you got to have a, a mentality shift. Um, so the prosperity Bible is going to teach you about, you know, taking responsibility, um, taking responsibility, even when maybe it's not even your fault. Uh, you know, if, if you sit there, like I love watching, you know, sports like the uh, NFL playoffs, the NBA playoffs. You got LeBron James at a, at a press conference. He's not going out there and be like, well, you know, uh, it was, uh, uh, what's, who's his point guard? Is it, is it still when he was with the Lakers? Is it, who's his, was it Chris Paul whenever there? No, he has, um, uh, Russell Westbrook right now. Oh, Russell Westbrook now. Okay. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a busy <laughs> few, few years, but so my point is, is like, they don't get up there on the, on the podium and be like, oh, well it's, you know, Russell Westbrook. He didn't, he didn't pass me the ball enough. If mm -hmm. something goes wrong, LeBron says, you know what? It's my fault. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't pass. There were some guys open, you know, I wasn't on the ball on defense, you know, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, they, they lost to the Bengals and they just fell apart in the second half. He didn't get up there and be like, you know what? Our defense sucked. They couldn't stop them. You know, Jamar Chase, you know, tore up our defense and all this. He got up there and said, 
was my fault. I, you know, I blew it. Uh, mm-hmm. The coach, Andy Reid, it's my fault. I blew it. You know, we, we probably could have given him better plays. Even if it's not necessarily your fault, even if whatever they were saying was whatever they could have said was true. When you take responsibility for it, when you take responsibility for that, you're now putting yourself in the driver's driver's seat of whatever it is. And, and until you take that responsibility, you're not going to be able to change it because if you, if you're deflecting it and you're saying, Oh, it was, it was uh, our defense's fault. Oh, it was our coach's fault. He was, he was, you know, I take responsibility for it. That's when you put yourself in the driver's seat to make those changes, to go through those walls that we put up in our head mentally. That's right, man. I love it, man. Yeah. How to take responsibility and the way to take responsibility is to educate yourself and take action. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So any last words for our listeners before we jump off this call? I mean, it's been a fantastic call, by the way, man. Fantastic podcast. I'm, I'm really happy with the outcome of this. I believe people are going to benefit from it, especially people who weren't aware of how mortgages work. Um, this is definitely the podcast for, for, for you guys to be listening to, but any last words for our listeners? I would just like to, you know, thank you, Jamel, for giving me the opportunity. Um, I love your channel. I, I appreciate I mean, it, brother. It's been an inspiration for me. I've learned so much from it. Uh, I just, I, I think my two main points is just don't give up you know, and, um, don't let that negative self-talk keep you from your dreams. Cause you can do it. You got to write them down, make a goal and you can, you can accomplish it. Um, and you know, Jamel's here to help. I'm here to help. You can reach us on our YouTube channels, reach out to us. We'll, we'll I'm sure I can't speak for him, but I'll do whatever I can. I have people ask me every, all the time on my, on my videos, like they have certain scenarios that come up. I'll do whatever I can to help you. Um, you know, that's, that's just, that's what I want to do. I want to help people. My life was changed when I started going to those closings and seeing those little kids so happy about getting their rooms about, (laughs) I mean, their lives are changed forever by their parents making a decision to get out of the rental cycle and own a home, maybe get a second home and rent it out. Um, You can literally change your, your life and your children's life just by making that choice. And so, yeah, I mean, just thank you, Jamel. I appreciate it. Um, and I'll, I'd be happy to come back and talk about any subject uh, in the future. And um, maybe we can get you to come on Planet Cheapskate and, and yeah, educate man. my subscribers a little bit. Yeah, just let me know when you're ready, man. And I'll uh, I'll, I'll definitely be there a thousand percent, man. Just let me know. We definitely thank appreciate you. having you, uh, Ryan Lee. Check out Planet Cheapskate on YouTube. Uh, you'll get all of the uh, mortgage information you need uh, as a real estate investor or even as a regular homeowner, if you're looking to just purchase uh, a home for yourself, this is the channel that you want to be a part of, right? So Ryan, uh, we definitely appreciate you, man, and looking forward to having you again in the future. Listen, I hope you guys benefited from this podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel, click the notification bell. Listen, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash jamelgibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at jamelgibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. 
check out all of these platforms for daily content weekly content more content from jamel gibbs but if you want to get more in depth go to rei education academy Com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.